Last week, I really talked about verse number 15. I've uh, spent a couple of weeks on that verse, uh, dealing with how that we have an invitation to a higher calling, and that invitation has some things involved with it. Uh, we've looked at um, that we're invited, or it's an invitation from heaven. It's not an earthly thing. We know that many of us hear the invitations of the world, but we don't hear the invitation from heaven. And that is the calling that God has for us, the purpose. Uh, there is a great purpose he has for us. It has to do with people. It has to do with souls. It has to do with the local assembly. It has to do with God reaching out and making a difference in this world. And God wants to bless us with that. It's also an invitation in Christ Jesus. That means you've got to be saved. Not only got to be saved, but you got to be thinking right. You got to be doing right in order to fulfill this calling that God has for you. And then we talked about how that it's an invitation with God's help and how that he gives us uh, direction. He, he tells us when we're not thinking right. He tells us when we're otherwise minded. And he uses the word of God, our personal Bible reading. He uses the preaching of the word of God. And those two things are different. You can't substitute your personal Bible reading or devotion time with the preaching of the Word of God. Those are two different things. Amen? And you need them both in your life. And uh, we not only talked about that, but last week we talked about chastisement. And you wouldn't think that chastisement's a help, but it is a help. It's God's way of helping you become what He wants you to be. It brings forth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. And you know if he's chastising you that you're actually saved. That's a good thing. So the first thing you know is, hey, at least I'm a child of God. <laughs> Amen. He's whooping up on me. And that means that I'm his child. Because he doesn't whoop up on the devil's kids. He whoops up on his kids. And he deals with us and our problems and our, uh, where he needs to correct us. Because what does it help correcting someone who doesn't have Christ in their heart? The only thing he does with them is convict them of their need of Christ. But once Christ inside of you, that's when he corrects you. That's when he changes you. That's when he wants you to think right. That's when he changes the way you think about things. And that's why you need to lay your, your mind and heart on the altar and say, Lord, whatever needs to come out, you take it out. And whatever needs to go in, you put it in. Amen. And so he does that through different methods, different means. And today, we're going to look at a different couple of new points on this. But I'm going to read to you a couple of verses here, and then we'll get into our message. Verse number 14, it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. I ask you, Lord, you would give me the power I need to bring forth this message and help me to say exactly what I need to say. Help me not to say what I shouldn't say. And I pray that we would have a result from the preaching today, that we would have folks in this room that would surrender their heart in one way or another. Maybe there's somebody here that's not saved. I pray, Lord, today would be the day of their salvation. But help all of us to grow this day. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so, adding to our points, uh, we had invitation with God's help. Now we're going to look at number four, our fourth one, invitation with rules or principles. All right? Now this is important. We're living in a day and age where people think it doesn't matter what you do, but it does. And this passage is very clear in verse 16. It says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So who's us? Us is us. Amen. We're talking about the church. We're not talking to Calgary. We're not talking to Airdrie. We're not talking to Canada. It's really referring to dealing with your church family right here. Uh, why is that? Because I'll tell you this, it's impossible to put a boundary around Calgary where all of us can do the same thing. It's impossible to put a boundary around Airdrie or even a neighborhood in Airdrie as to all of us thinking the same way. But do you know where that's not impossible? Right here in this church. See, that's why God made the local assembly. He made an assembly because he, he wanted us to have a boundary. That's why the church isn't universal. The universal church is everybody's a part of the church. Well, how do you put that boundary down? Amen. How do you all think the same way, do the same things? Well, you can't. It's impossible. You have to be a part of a local assembly in order to have the same mind and walk according to that rule. Amen. So God gave us this church. This church operates a certain way. Uh, we've made decisions on how we do things. Our philosophy is a certain way. And it may be slightly different than the church down the street. Not necessarily that that church is wrong. They may be right in what they do. But sometimes God uses churches in different ways to do different things. And so you don't come here and try to introduce that philosophy here. You come here and learn how the Lord is building this church from the inside out. Amen. I always tell people when they come to this church, you don't come as a teacher. And I've had people come in trying to be teachers. Well, I'm a teacher. I said, well, you're a teacher when the Lord puts you into the body, when you develop and believe what we believe, and then the Lord calls you out of this local assembly as a teacher. <laughs> That's the only way you can be a teacher. <laughs> Amen. And so we choose our own teachers here. Because our teachers have to believe what we say is the statement of faith that we hold to. Now, there's a lot of things we can believe, but there are certain things we hold pretty dogmatically to. And that's the way of salvation is one. Amen. We have some eschatological things that we hold to very dearly here. We believe in a preacher of rapture. Say, well, I'm here to teach you something else. No, you're not. If that's what you're doing, you'll go right out the door. Amen. We are preacher of rapture here. Uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is going to come and set up his earthly kingdom for a thousand years. So if you're an amillennialist or uh, you know, a post-millennial belief, 
this isn't the church for you. You're just going to cause problems. Amen. And so I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. We love you anyways. Amen. That's just the way it is. And so there are certain rules we have and principles that we operate within this church. And the Bible requires us to be of the same mind. So what we can't do is come in and say, well, this is what I believe. And I don't care what you believe. Well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. And you're going against the word of God. That means if you're believing something different than what we're trying to bring through here within the preaching and teaching of this church, then you should find a church that believes like you do. The sad thing is what the devil has done today is worked very hard to get believers into a place where there is no church at all that believes like them. Folks, that's a problem. Chances are it's not all the churches that are wrong. Chances are, it's you that's wrong. Amen? Have you given that a thought? <laughs> Amen? Because I'll tell you, if the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, we can know for sure there's one here right now. You just got to make sure you're in it. But if you're in it, you walk according to the same rule the same principles you operate the same way you're not someone trying to cause a trouble just to keep everybody honest amen you're saying hey i want to be a part of the body we got to have the same mind we got to think the same things we got to say the same things that's how we achieve unity that's how we make a difference in our community we operate within the boundaries just like when god told israel go to these boundaries Whatever's inside those boundaries that is not pleasing to me, you pull that out. Everything outside the boundaries, they didn't change. But everything inside the boundaries, they changed. Well, they should have. And because they didn't, what happened? They lost what God had given them. See, we've got to take this serious today about the local assembly. <laughs> We have to walk according to the same rule. So if you're here, you say, well, I'm just here to make trouble. Leave. I love you, but you can't be here. I want you to go. You're not supposed to say that, preacher. Yes, I am. Because I love these guys. I'm going to let you hurt them over my dead body. You understand that? We're not mamby-pamby here, man. we got to hold to something. we got to hold the truth. There are souls hanging in the balance. There's a local church that we are fighting for. We are three years old, and God has done a miracle in this church, but it's not because we just sat back and said, let it happen. It's because I've had to fight every day for it. I pray for it. We confront people for it. We deal with things for it. There's only one way to go forward when we submit ourselves to the same rule. Amen. And there are people, I remember one time in our old church, we'd have a, one person said, well, we have a meeting. I always vote no because everybody else votes yes. <laughs> if you've got the mind of Christ and all the church is saying yes, and you're the only one saying no, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with your spiritual life. You need to get right with God. Is a preacher supposed to say that? Amen? Well, no, not today. We're supposed to stroke and we're so, oh, seeker sensitive. Well, people come to me, Pastor, what do you have for me that I'll stay? 
I'll say, what do you have for us that I'll let you stay? <laughs> wow. You're not supposed to be like that. That's how you build a strong church. Folks, the reason why there's mega churches out there, I'll tell you something, they're doing nothing for God. They're living in immorality, adultery. They're not dealing with it. All kinds of wickedness, rock music playing on the front stage. Light shows, smoke shows. And somehow that's successful because they got a thousand people there. I could bring a thousand people in this room too. But when you make this thing <laughs> the center of attention, the rule, the word of God, the principles of scripture, you will not be very uh, popular. I'm just surprised that all you came. <laughs> really? Amen? I think we have 104 people here today. That's 104 people that I'm taking for granted is wanting me to preach the whole counsel of God. Every jot, every tittle. Every word, every meaning. Preach in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, giving themselves unto fables. Amen. Amen. We don't need that today. I want our family to be saved. I want our families to be saved. I want our grandchildren to have a lighthouse to go to when they get born. And there's going to be some born. Amen. If we're going to have that, we need to fight for it. When you hear an opposing uh, word from somebody in this assembly, you say, hold on there, bud. That's not the same rule. That's not the same mind. You're hurting the church. And you've got to be quiet. You need to get that right. So, well, then I'll lose all my friends. That kind of friend you don't need. Amen. I'd rather have one true friend that loves God than a thousand that don't. In fact, I'd rather have no friends than any that don't. Do you understand that? I'm willing to be alone. I'm willing for next week for nobody to show up to church. My kids, I'm forcing them. They're coming. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to sit right in the front row. If nobody else is here, you're sitting here. <laughs> and I'll rip and snore just like if you were here. You understand that? That is the only way that God's work is going to be done today when we take seriously the work of God. It's not about numbers. It's not about how much you put in the offering. Folks, you can't buy off this preacher. It's not going to happen. If you're the biggest giver in church and you're going to do wrong and bring sin in this church, you're out of here. Amen. Unless you get right. All it takes is getting right. You know how easy that is? It's just getting on your knees before God and saying, Lord, I've been an idiot. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Not just forgiving, but Lord, could you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? It's that easy. It's very easy. But people love their darkness. They don't want to let it go. But my friend, this is the lighthouse. This is, we depend upon that. When I see you come in, I see families come in, they're coming in here and they're saying, this better be a lighthouse. I owe it to them. I owe it to those that are seeking for the right thing, to seek to be the right thing. Amen? And you do too. Members, 
I know we're not all members here. I think right now we've got uh, 44 members. We'll have two more at the end of the service. Amen. And if you're a member here, your heart ought to be the same. And if it's not the same and you don't like it, I don't like this church, I don't like this preacher, there's a lot of churches you can go to. This isn't the place for you. I'm not going to let you hurt these people. Every week we got people walking through that door with hunger in their eyes for the righteousness of God. They need to be encouraged in a dark and wicked world. They need someone to tell them it's going to be okay. They need someone to show them the principles and truth that's going to keep them protected from the onslaughts of Satan. And I can't deal with our own people destroying from the inside out. Paul said, when I depart, grievous wolves shall come. Not sparing the flock. And the Bible says that they'll seek disciples. They'll draw disciples after themselves, which means they'll come up to you and they'll say, hey, let me tell you something. Drawing you. So the next time you listen to the preacher saying, well, I don't know if I want to listen to what he's got to say. I don't know if I want to hear this anymore. Because that person told me this. <laughs> Amen. Now you're a follower of that person. Yeah. Go. Go build. All I know is I came here with my family over three years ago. We had nothing to build off of. We had a calling. I believe I'm called of the Lord Jesus Christ. We went out and we put out door hangers. And we said, well, this is the day we're going to start. There are some other churches that got behind us that said, we'll be there to help you. <laughs> and you know what God began to do? Draw people to the light. This is a work of God. This is a work of light. Let us all mind the same thing. Let us walk by the same rule. Amen? And I know there's some preferential things. There are some things we'll do here. And you know what? I can't just say, thus saith the Lord on all these things. Some people say, well, you tell me where smoking is wrong. Where does it say thou shalt not smoke a cigarette? <laughs> when they know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And there's principles that will tell you, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I shall be a father unto you, and you shall be unto me as sons and daughters. Amen. There's principles that we have to operate by, and that's what it's talking about. It's not always talking about it. And folks, if that's what you are, you're a law-based Christian, you are not a golden rule Christian. We talked about it on Sunday night. Well, you show me where it says. Do unto others, you have them do unto you. The whole law and the prophets hang on these two. Love the Lord thy God. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Galatians 6, 16, it says, As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. I like this, we're running a race, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a high calling of God. This high calling has an end, it's got a finish line. There is a judge that's waiting for us, and this judge isn't judging us about our salvation anymore because we have been judged already on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago if you are a born-again believer. Your sin will never be brought into question ever again before God because it was dealt with on the cross, amen? But there's a judge, but it's not a judge of sin. It's a judge of works. It's a judge of what you're doing. It's a judge of how you handled the house of God. 
What you are today within this house is going to be exactly going to dictate what you are going to be before the throne of God. That's why the Bible says about the preacher, and it says about your pastors and so forth, it says, uh, obey and submit, that they may give you, they give a report of you, and they can do it with joy. Do you think that the pastor is going to be asked about the church, about what he thinks, about what was going on in the house of God? That's what the scripture says, the book of Hebrews It says, submit yourself so he can do it with joy. You know, there's people in this congregation, I'd be able to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, let me tell you about that family. They were a blessing. They were a help. They just pushed the thing forward. They did what they were supposed to do. Lord, I can do this with joy. But then there's others. Think about that. Say, preacher, how do you know what what it's going to be like when you get there? Whatever it's like right now. That means whatever would happen right now, if Jesus Christ would come and he would usher me up before his throne, he'd say, Pastor, let me ask you about Energy Baptist Church. Where would you stand right now? Oh, that preacher thinks he's so hot. No, I'm nothing. (laughs) All I know is I've got a responsibility for God and I'm going to give an account for this church. That's pretty big. And you can throw your accusations. You can say, preacher, I don't care what you say. Say, you think you're something, whatever. It doesn't change the fact that I answer to him. Throw it out. Say what you say. All I'm saying, submit yourself to the Lord. Walk according to the same rule. You know what I would love one day? Jesus Christ ushers us up in the rapture. I stand before the Lord. I say, you know, God... Our church is a blessing. Every family loves you. Every family served you. They were faithful. They came. They they sacrificed. That's what I want to say. Make it easy for me to say that. Amen. Please. I'm not going to lie to the Holy Ghost. You understand? Say, oh, that's a little spooky for me. Call it what you want. It's real. Call it what you want. That's reality. That's faith, man. That's exactly what's going to happen. There is a throne all of us will face. There is a judgment all of us will face. You will look him square in the eye. Either your eyes will hit the ground in shame, or you'll be able to look at him and say, Lord, I've been waiting for you. Amen. It's an invitation with rules and principles that keep us going on the same path together, on the same race together. Amen. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.5, it says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully? That means, look at, uh, I was, I was um, looking at the, the, the bike, uh, the guy who won the, the Paris Open, what is that, the Paris? Uh, Tour, de Tour de France, thank you. <laughs> and he won how many of them? I even forgot the guy's name. Armstrong. How many did he win? Five, six? A lot. lot. Every year he was winning. This guy is fantastic. Until they found out that he was taking drugs. And they stripped away everything. 
Not only did he lose the rewards, but he lost his reputation. And probably lost a lot more. Personal. Family. See, folks, we think we can go along here today, run this race, and we can, we can make up our own rules. Sorry. I realize some of the rules are hard. Hard to follow. I know it doesn't put you as the primary focus. The rule doesn't make you the boss. <laughs> Amen. The rule may not always put you in the, in the teacher's position or in the primary position. But you know what? That doesn't mean you can't be successful in the race. So the Bible says you will not be crowned unless you strive, unless you run this race lawfully. Lawfully. We have an invitation. Paul goes on to talk about the invitation with examples. Verse 17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as ye have us for an ensample. Mark means to spy out, look towards an object, to contemplate, give attention to. Uh, it also talks about to strike or to smite with repeated strokes, a type Something that was caused by strokes or blows. You know, if I keep hitting in the same spot like this, ultimately what's going to happen is I'm going to leave my mark. Keep striking. Follow the example. Follow the example. Follow the example. Build your habit. Build your discipline. Build your walk. Build your time with God. Build your time in the Word of God. Build your prayer life. Build your faithfulness to the house of God. Keep striking. Keep striking. Keep striking. He says, follow those. Follow those that are continually striking and doing the same thing over and over and over again until Jesus Christ comes again. Folks, we just got to keep doing what God's asked us to do. Do you understand? He says, folks, follow my example. The Apostle Paul, from the day he was called till the day his head was taken off of his body, he just kept doing the same thing over and over and over, and it made its mark. That's what you do. Follow the examples of God. You see some of these people in this church, when those doors are open, they walk through. There's some people I know, when I look at that door, they will be coming through that door. That's what you need to leave your kids. That's what you need your fellow church members. Because everything you do, you're leaving an example for your children, for the church members beside you. Do it. We're running a race here. This isn't a game. You're not here to build an empire. You're not here to build a career. You're not here to build a big bank account. You're not here to become successful in the eyes of the world. You are here to lead a generation to Christ. You are here to lead your family to Christ. You are here to be an example to the people of God. You've got a high calling, a high purpose. Let's do it lawfully. Let's do it together. And let's follow those that are running before us. Every now and then you'll get those that will go off on the side. Don't follow them. As you're running by, you say, come on, get back on the course. Keep following my example. Follow me. Follow me. Amen. Oh, some of us, we don't want to be leaders. Some of us, we don't want people to follow us. We know that. 
Because we lead, lead people to sin. We lead them to immorality. We lead them to anger. We lead them to bitterness. We lead them to ungodliness. And we know in our hearts there's no way we'd want people to lead to follow us. So we come up with excuses why we can't be faithful, why we can't do the things of God. Hey, that's good for you, it's not good for me. No, no, what it's about is this. You know you're not an example. And so you won't be faithful. Be faithful. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a high calling for you. And he wants you to be faithful in doing it. And there's a day this is all going to be over. We're all going to hit the finish line at the same time. Amen. There's an invitation with examples. You don't need your sports heroes. Oh, now the big thing is all the billionaires. Oh, Elon Musk. Oh, look at Jeff Bezos. Oh, look at this. They're dying and going to hell. They'll lead your children to hell. Why would you want to set them up as your example? Don't do it. Don't do it. Their money will burn. Their cars will burn. Their houses will burn. The only thing that's going to last is what's done for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be an example of the right thing. I don't want my children to have heroes in this world. They need to have heroes in the house of God. Men, I want you to be a hero to my kids. I want you to be a hero. I have my kids sometimes telling me, they say, Dad, that man, he ought to be one of your deacons. Because he's faithful. It's my boys telling me this. They know. They know. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. And a child knows it. And I thought that was so interesting because I was saying, son, you're thinking the same way I am. The wisdom of a child. So there's somebody in this room, you're my hero. You're my hero. And I want more of them. I would gladly have you all as my hero. I would. I really would. I want you to set an example for my boys, my daughters. Ladies, I want you to live your life in a way that my daughters could look at you and say, Dad, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to be a mother like that. I'd like to have a heart like that. That's what it's about. Oh, be careful. This world will twist you around. They'll get you chasing things that has nothing to do with your eternity, nothing to do with the judgment seat of Christ, nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Set yourself as, as an example to your children, to the children of the church, on exactly how a man of God ought to be, exactly how a woman of God ought to be. And I'll tell you something. You know exactly what that is without me telling you. But some of us are still fighting it. You're fighting it. Why are you fighting it? Stop doing what you're doing. Turn away from the sin. Turn away from the error. Turn away from the things that are keeping you from being that man of God that you want to be or that woman of God. And do it. 
And it won't be long, boy, I remember when I was in Pemina Valley and I just got saved and I was on fire for God. And, and the little boys of the church would come up to me and say, and they would die, I would be this pink. And I'd say, what do you want? <laughs> they just saw that God was doing something in my heart. They wanted to be close to me. So boys, God help me if I let them down. Some of those little boys... <laughs> That did that to me they've come through this church they've come and visited us but they're not like this anymore they're getting married some of them I've led to Christ some of them I baptized these were the same little guys that came up to me and hey they thought it was so cool to spend time with me. And I thought, wow, what's going on here? It only dawned on me later that the Lord was setting me up as an example. What are you? What are you? God help you to be a man or a woman of God that the little kids in this church could go to and say, I'd like to be like you, sir. That's what they need. They don't need no stinking more sports. They don't need to just be busy in the world. They need the house of God. They need the people of God. And I'll tell you, if you give them that, they will have everything they need. Don't listen to this dirty, rotten, stinking world by saying, oh, they need social life. They, all the devil's trying to do is pull them away from the house of God. Don't listen to them. Yeah. You get them to church. You get them around the men of God. I've got no problem when these young guys, when we have prayer time before the service, they say, can I come in? Yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you come pray with the men. But you better be there to pray, son. Not play around. Yeah. <laughs> They're setting up examples for their life. The Bible also tells us it's an imitation with enemies. With enemies. It says in verse number 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. These aren't people that didn't have faces to the Apostle Paul. These aren't people that were just an imagination in his mind. These were people that he saw operating within the house of God. Those that were in the local church that were living for themselves and living for the flesh. They were there and he was weeping over them. Enemies. And it goes on to say that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What does it mean to be an enemy of the cross of Christ? Say, so not me, preacher, I'm saved. Oh, the cross has a lot more to do than just to save your soul. Do you understand that? When you went to the cross for the first time, what happened is that death took your place where now you no longer owe a price for your sin. Jesus Christ paid it all on the cross of Calvary. Say, yeah, that's what I did, preacher. Why did he die? Because he loves me, preacher. Okay, why did he have to die and prove that as his love towards you? But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. You want to know why he died? Your sin. Your sin. Christian, if you are an enemy of the cross of Christ today, you are blatantly and openly glorifying in your sin and rebellion. That cross is where you died 2,000 years ago. I realize that old man in you is still kicking up a bit. (laughs) But do you understand that cross is a place you go every day to die again? And that life you live for yourself dies every day. Every day. But what happens sometimes when we as believers... We accept the salvation we can receive through the cross, but we don't accept the consecration. We don't accept the fact that he paid for our sin. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And we're living this life that somehow, oh, I'm just saved so I can sin, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Your sin made Jesus die. Your sin made him suffer. Your sin made him separate from his father for the first time in eternity where he said, my God, my God, where, why hast thou forsaken me? Your sin. When you're an enemy of the cross, you're a person that is living for yourself. In fact, he goes on to say that whose end is destruction you think a Christian could be destroyed? I've seen it happen. I believe they were saved, but they lived for their own sin. They did not live right, and the Lord had to judge them because of it. The Bible says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. What is the belly? The belly is the part of you that has the appetites. That means you're not restraining the appetites. You're not saying... Uh, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore because that's not glorifying to God. You are giving yourself to the belly. And instead of listening to God saying, don't do that, you're saying, yeah, but I want to. See, he's no longer your God. Your belly is your God. This is what determines my appetite now. My appetite is not God's appetite. My appetite is the flesh's appetite. Amen. Amen whose glory is their shame. That means shame is ultimately when it's all said and done, the glory that you've got to look forward to is only shame. Shame. You see the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll see his nail-scarred hands and you'll see everything he's done for you and the terrible price that sin wrecked upon the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll look at him and say, And I lived for that sin. And all you will feel is shame. No glory. No reward. Folks, if we'll run this race the right way, there are rewards waiting for us. Mar sang the song, The Pile of Crowns. There are a pile of crowns at the Savior's feet. 
I find it interesting in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says that Jesus Christ will come again. And the Bible says, on his head will be many crowns. How do you get more than one crown on your head? But the Bible says, on his head will be many crowns. And you know, when Jesus Christ comes again, he's going to be smiting the armies of the earth, the wicked armies. And he's going to be establishing his millennial kingdom. And on his head will be many crowns. All I know, if you go back to the beginning of Revelation, you'll find that the four and twenty elders were casting their crowns at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us there's a judgment seat for us. And there's a prize that he wants to give us. And that's at the finish line. I press toward the mark for the prize. I talked to one person one time. They said, oh, I'm not doing this for a prize. I says, I am. <laughs> Amen. I am. The Bible tells me to. Now, why would the Bible tell me to do something for a prize when I've convinced myself, oh, that's just a selfish motive? Oh, I don't want no prizes. I'll tell you why. Because your prizes that he gives to you, the crowns, you're going to, in return, give them back to Jesus. And you're going to lay them at his feet. So I'm doing it for the prize. And when I get the prize, I'm going to give it back to Jesus. And there's going to be a pile of crowns, like Mar was singing. And Jesus will return, and upon his head will be many crowns. And just to think that maybe my crown is on the head of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes again in the second coming. There's a finish line. 2 Peter 1.10 says this, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. An abundant entrance. And you think of even Babylon, how they'd have that processional before the gate. And every time they would come in, in victory after their war, they would just all have this processional. They'd bring their goods and the things that they've won and, and, and escort them into the city. And all the people would be up on the walls and they'd be throwing flowers and, and yelling and cheering. The Bible says if we make our calling and election sure, he says there's going to be an abundant entrance for you into the kingdom. Think about this. Do you want the prize? Do you want the prize? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're not talking to lost people. We're talking to saved people. We're not talking about you getting saved. We're talking about a saved person getting rewarded. There's the crown of righteousness. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love 
is appearing. Oh, there's crowns for everybody. Do you love his appearing? What does that mean? That means that you're ready for him to take you now. In the twinkling of an eye. Are you ready now? Say, no, preacher. Oh, give me a day. Give me an hour. You're not going to get the hour. That means that you don't love his appearing. If you love his appearing, you're living like you want it to happen now. I'm ready, Lord. I'm right with you, God. I've done, I've been running the race lawfully, Lord. And if you're not ready for him to come now, you'll forfeit the crown. The crown of righteousness, the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? This is the crown of the soul winner. This is the one that's going out there and doing the work. I appreciate people that every week they say, you know what, preacher, I'll be there. I'll put door hangers on the door. I'll do something in the church. I'll work in the church. I'll do whatever I need to do. I want to be a part of the soul winning. There's a crown for you. Psalm 126.6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That means until that time, we're going to be weeping. We're going to be going through some stuff down here. Say, oh, Lord, this is so hard. Oh, Lord, these people, they don't want to listen. He says, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. If you don't give up, you'll get a crown. Amen. There's the incorruptible crown in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain an, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So he goes on to say, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. This means that if you are going to get this crown, you're striving for the mastery. You're saying, Lord, help me to get my lusts under control. Help me to keep my body under control. Let's make it the slave, Lord. I want your spirit to rule. Amen. It's a disciplined life. It's a faithful life. It's I want to be in the house of God life. I want to hear the preaching of the word of God, preacher. I want to be a part of the work of God. And my body's saying, no, stay home. Go to sleep. I got no time for that. But my spirit is saying, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my body go, even though I don't feel like it. That's what a runner needs to do. They are pushing themselves in their body saying, stop, stop. But in their spirit, they say, no way. I'm striving. I'm striving. And I appreciate seeing some of those videos of those runners getting to the finish line and five 
feet before they fall to the ground. They've only got one, one bit of energy left. So they roll and they claw and they grab. They say, well, a little further, a little further. Sometimes they got somebody coming up behind and saying, let me help you. But their whole goal is to get across the line. That's the incorruptible crown. You care about that? Well, somebody just says to call me a name and I'll quit the church. All I know is you ain't getting this crown. All I know is if I let you all call me names and I keep going, I'm getting this crown. Turn on me if you will. Walk out the door and say, preacher, we've had enough. And I may fall to the ground five feet before the finish line and I may be out of energy, but I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to keep clawing till I get over. I'm not stopping because you don't like me. I'm going to keep on going. Who's with me? I mean, my goodness, man, who's with me on this? Which one of us are going to stand before God and say, Lord, I did everything I could do. I strove for the mastery. Oh, I hope you mean that from the bottom of your heart. Because we've got a long way to go. Number four is the crown of life. In James 1 verse number 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him to endure the temptation. When I think about this, I think about the Lord Jesus Christ enduring the shame. Oh, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He kept that cross on his back and he kept pushing as much as it hurt. He kept pushing forward. Some of you are going to have a health problem. Some of you are going to have a family member stab you in the back. Maybe you'll have a wife or husband that'll leave you. Maybe you're going to be left all alone. And the devil's going to whisper in your ear and say, just give up. Just give up. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't pay to follow God. He's not here for you. And you look him square back in the eye. You can say, devil, I ain't throwing this cross off my back. Because Jesus didn't throw his off his back for me. Do you understand? There's a cross that he's designed for your life and he wants you to keep that on your shoulders till Jesus Christ comes again. And whatever that cross is, whatever it is you have to go through, you carry it. And if you'll endure it like Jesus did, the Bible says that when you see Jesus, he's going to give you the crown of life. What a wonderful thing. There's more than one crown you could get. You could get at least four. I wonder how many of us would get at least four crowns when we see Christ. Do you want that? Are you going to strive for that? Or have you already given up? Oh, if I get one, I'll be lucky. It's not luck. It's not luck. It's the decisions that you make after a message like this. It's what you do with your life. It's what you do with your heart. There's a fifth crown. In this room, I may be the only one that qualifies. If I qualify, the crown of glory says, 
1 Peter 5. It says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. That means you have to oversee this. Not by constraint. That means not because you have to, not because they're making you, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre. It's not based on how much money you give me, but of ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. That means he doesn't want me to be controlling your life. He wants me to feed you. He wants me to preach to you. It says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. That means a leader doesn't push from behind. A leader leads from ahead. I can't require of you anything that I myself would not do. You understand that? And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I want that crown. I don't know if I'll get it. I want it. I'm striving for it. Say, oh, preacher, you're no good. Maybe. <laughs> but I'm going to strive for it anyways. How's that? I'm not going to quit. Make it easy for me if you can. <laughs> Amen. That'd be good. Folks, you want, you want the crowns when you meet the Lord? I sure hope you do. Because we have a high calling of God. And we're supposed to press toward the mark for the prize. The prize is you becoming like Christ. The prize is you receiving the reward. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for giving me a couple of extra minutes this morning. This is a serious time. Quiet your heart. Listen to the Lord. Where are you? Where are you? Are you in Christ? Are you born again? Are you saved? Are you still drowning in the ocean? Do you need that lifesaver to be thrown out the, the Lord Jesus Christ to come and take you and say, I, I died for you? Are you willing to put your trust in him today and forget religion, forget all that stuff and just turn to the Lamb of God, turn to Jesus Christ, the only one that can save you, the one that died on the cross 2,000 years ago. If you will trust him today and put all of your faith, all of it, every last stitch of it, every bit of it, and say, Jesus, you're the only reason I can be saved. No more church, no more baptism, no more good works, nothing to do with you. You are a failure. You are drowning. I'm going to die. I need to.